Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Amber Furman, and this is episode four of the More Than Corporate podcast. Today on the show, we have LaVon Shields, and I'm super excited for this interview. LaVon is an accounting strategist, and she has known since the age of seven that financial management was her calling. I really love this interview because she talks about a different take on financial planning and how she helps business owners really gain an understanding of where their money is going instead of just reconciling a checkbook. Before we get into the interview, I wanted to invite you to go to your favorite podcast listening app and subscribe and leave a review. It will definitely help me to be able to improve on the content that I provide and see the direction that you, the listener, want the podcast to go. And with that, let's go ahead and get into the interview with LaVon. LaVon, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. No, thank you. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you. So um, LaVon and I met um, a little under a year ago um, when I was going through um, NLP training, which has been defined by people that I've met as um, brain surgery on yourself, which I think is a pretty, um, a pretty good explanation. That or, or just purposely putting yourself through a whirlwind of, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it though? <laughs> so I know that you have a long story of kind of what brought you to where you are today. Um, but why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about um, what it was like for you growing up and what you thought your um, life was going to hold and how that either worked out for you or how it changed. Just give us a little of your background. <laughs> Okay, so where where did I come from? <laughs> Interesting story. So you know you get you have the basics, you know the the, the everyone's usual story. So I was born uh, the youngest of three. I have two older siblings, an older brother and older sister. My father was um, a record executive, so I spent my life growing up, kind of interning at his record label. I used to love to do that. I started at age nine, 10, and I would just go up and work in different departments. And I got a, a passion for just the admin, just doing a good job and knowing that it was going to be represented somewhere was, was amazing for me. And um, when I was about nine or 10, my grandfather had taught me this amazing lesson. He said, find the thing you love to do and you never work a day in your life. So I always equated work with am I being fulfilled? So I've always enjoyed doing something that was fulfilling me. Now my whole thing for accounting, that came from a whole different standpoint. Uh, when I was younger, I was in Girl Scouts and made it to the Brownies. I think that's the, like everyone's standard place where they go through in, in Girl Scouts. <laughs> and it was cookie time. You know, it's that wonderful time of the year, right? So my dad took me to, to the troop to go get the cookies, but instead of just getting the order form, and going to sell it, he actually bought cases directly from the troop and told me, whatever you get to, whatever you sell, you get to keep the cash. So that was a, a pretty empowering moment for me. So I, I pondered it as I ate all the chocolate chip and I got ready to sell the rest of it. <laughs> and I sold them and I had cash. And there was a freeing thing in that and knowing I was able to choose what I wanted to do. And going to hang out with my friends, it wasn't an either-or situation. It wasn't the movies or go eat. It was both. Um, and, and knowing that I had that option, I started to, to enjoy the process of tracking. And I became this little organizer junkie. I think I was the only 12-year-old walking around with an organizer. <laughs> not normal by any, any definition of the word. Normal's uh, overrated. <laughs> and interesting enough, my family and I, we have a, a, a saying, normalcy is for the week. Um, and we, we really, really strived for, for that. <laughs> I love it. Um, but I, the, the tracking became very interesting to me because I always knew what I could do. It was not a question of if I could do it. It was just a matter of when was the best time to do it. 
And as I was, was developing my skill set in accounting, I got my degree in accounting. I learned QuickBooks. I, I learned tax prep. And I, I worked with business owners. And the, the common theme of every everywhere I worked was that I we were able to always know exactly what we could do. Not so question of if we could do, but we knew we could do it. It's just a matter of making sure we understood what we were doing and what the impact was. And that led me to really kind of wanting to read the term bookkeeper because I, I really don't like it, um, to more of a, a, a strategist, helping businesses use the numbers to strategize and grow and lead and build their business to reach whatever purpose that it was meant to do for them and for the, for the world. And that's kind of how I got to where I am, just this journey of, ooh, this is interesting. How do we make this better? How can I support this person? And how can I, I help this business owner reach their CEO level? And that just became my mission, so to speak, in life. In oh my gosh, I love that story. I love all of that. Um, you know, one of the things that you said that really stands out at me from, especially my experiences as a new business owner over the last couple of years is the idea of kind of being this guide to what their business could be rather than just somebody who reconciles a, um, a bank account and a spreadsheet. And it's interesting um, because I know my bookkeeper that I use um, is my keeper. I, she knows everything about what I do because you can't separate the finances from the success of your business or your personal success. And I think that it's really important to have somebody acknowledge that as you're starting a business. And, and I, it, you're right. It's more than just, you know, the quote unquote keeping of the books. Technology has made it so that the data entry is not the important part. It's the use of the data that's the important part. And to learn how you, how the operations of your business are commingled and, and directly related to the numbers, the accounting, the financial reports. That's how you, you make smart decisions. I mean, it, it's no fun when you when a check bounces, you know, or not being able to capitalize on opportunity because you didn't know or you do it and then now you sacrifice something else because again you didn't know. So being able to help business owners get that grasp and to turn into what I call their CEO mode, you know, get them into their CEO space is inspiring and I love it. It's the, the best thing in the world. That's so cool. I know that I've been guilty in the past of under, well, in the past, kind of in the present, but I'm working on it, um, of knowing my bottom line and knowing how much I need to be able to um, make it to the next month and wanting to have a certain amount in my business bank account to make sure that that bottom line is never um, in danger. Um, mm -hmm. But what you said about the data being the important part, if somebody was to ask where your money's actually going, that can be a much more difficult question to answer. And I feel like as business owners and then, you know, moving that into a personal life, we um, run into this trouble of saying, okay, I have money. So that's really all that matters when instead we should be asking whether there's a better use of our money. So I absolutely love that analogy. But yeah. I mean, you think about it. CEOs of large companies don't go check their bank and credit card balances to see what they can do. They run their reports. They, they, you know, they ask for the reports. Where is the money going and, and where has it been coming from and what are we doing and how do we take this, this information off of these reports and move it into the marketing side. How do we market to our target people to boost sales in this area? How are our, our, our sales reps closing at the right percentage? If not, how do we help them become better salespeople um, or move them into a position that better suits, suits them? And then how are we keeping track of how we're doing the thing that we do? Is it costing us more money? Is it, you know, can we improve in certain areas? All of those answers get are found in your financial reports. And accounting is the unifier. There's so many different businesses, industries, business owners, mindsets, all these things are out there that are so different. The only way to put them into a bucket is to be able to use the unifier, which is accounting. How much are you making? How much does it cost you to make it? How much do you have left over? And what tax bracket are you in? That's, the how, that's how your banker's gonna talk to you. That's how your tax preparer is gonna talk to you. Any business coach you work with, they wanna know your numbers. So once you can, can speak that language, and then use that language to run your business, you, you're, you're in a whole new different stratosphere of playing the game. 
That's amazing. So you talked a little bit when you were giving your background about growing up with some access to like the record label industry. Was that ever anything that interested you as far as going into like a music background or a producer background? <laughs> so funny. Um, I thought I was going to be a dancer. <laughs> I, okay. I, I actually went, went to a high school in Santa Monica School for the Arts and Sciences crossroads and I my intention was to be a dancer I love music music is my everything I have soundtracks and playlists for every area of my life my husband was laughing like do you have a soundtrack for getting dressed it's like yes yeah, my morning motivation I have to get going um so I, I originally thought I was gonna be a dancer uh and um so I wasn't creative. My sister was a creative. She worked in the creative department. I always did admin. So I knew if I didn't, wasn't a dancer, I was going to be some sort of admin. My dad was the president of Motown Records for a, a good period of time. So I, I enjoyed seeing what he was doing at the level that he did it at, just seeing him in the background. So I thought that that was an option for a while. <laughs> and then um, I got pregnant with my oldest son and I realized, okay, so we're going to need to, to solidify something here. And Accounting was always it. So my worst case scenario was I would come back to the music industry and work with my dad in like the finance capacity or something like that. But um, accounting was always kind of there and in there and then dancing and, and music were, were the other parts of it is what I, I thought would, would possibly happen. That's awesome. Um, so you told the story about your um, Girl Scout cookie incident. Did you say that was with your grandpa? Is that what I remember? Well, my, my father is the one that signed me up, but as far as the lesson on passion and, and what, what it should bring to your work, that came from my grandfather. He was uh, an entrepreneur. He was a, he built furniture. That was, was going to be my question is, that sounds like an entrepreneurial type of <laughs> yeah. motivation. So I was wondering if you had that um, entrepreneurial spirit in your family growing up. Yeah, my grandfather, when he came back from the war, so my dad and, and aunt and uncles are all part of the baby, were part of the baby boomers, and my grandfather had his own upholstery business, and that's what he did, and as we got older, um, he, would, he would give us these little nuggets, you know, find the thing you love to do, and you never have to work a day in your life, and my dad resonated that, and finding passion in the fulfillment of a good day's work became my driving force and everything that I do. So even now when I'm working now, it's so it's more about am I am I helping the person I'm working with? Am I having fun in the process of helping them? And am I giving it a hundred percent and and the whole process be fulfilling? Those are the, the key requirements that I have for when I work with clients. I like it. So I'm curious to know, as far as growing up, it sounds like from the stories about your grandpa and the, the entrepreneurial spirit, um, was finance is something that was talked about a lot in your family? Is that why you were so passionate about it? Um, or it, wasn't was it-, a, it wasn't a big conversation. It was really kind of a one-on-one that I used to have with my dad. Um, when I would go work, when, the, when I first started working at the label, I went around and I created these little flyers. It was, my maiden name was Busby. Uh, B- Busy Bees uh, Support Services or something like that. And people would hire me to do work. And he sat me down. He said, okay, so you're going to make money doing this? I was like, well, that's kind of the point, right? <laughs> um, so we negotiated a fair fee that I was able to earn from the people in the office. And he would what they would do is they would pay him and then he would give me cash. So it was, you know, keeping track of it. And it was always a conversation of, you know, do, do, do you know what you're going to do with this, this money? And because I was always tracking it, I always knew. And being the youngest of three, I knew part of it was going to my older siblings, no matter what, that just was just the cost of being the youngest sibling. But he and I, we used to have these very in-depth conversations about finances all the way up until he passed in 2008. That was just our our way of talking. It was always associated with money management, future of money, what to do with money, you know, what are the benefits of it, how how can we use it to grow and, and establish our family. That, those were some common conversations that my dad and I had. I like it. I feel like those conversations aren't always had enough. Um, you know, we we know from what we've learned that people do the best with the tools that they have. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like sometimes those financial discussions aren't as prominent as they should be 
in um, even in educational times, but well, it's so conflicting. Um, it's so conflicting. We're we're in a, a massive generational shift when it comes to the definition of success. Um, we went from you know the industrial well not before the industrial time where it, it was your family. Were you able to support your family? That was the definition of success. And then we turned it and it changed into, so you get a job and you work there for so long and then the job gives you this pension that supports you for the rest of your life. Then that became the definition of success. And now we're seeing where people are, are going, I don't have to give someone 30 years of my life, the best years of my life, and then spend the rest of my life enjoying the, re the, the rewards of that, reaping the rewards of that. There's a balance. And, and once you, once we, once we get through to the realization that there's more than one path to success and it needs to be individually designed and by the, the person themselves, I think that's when the conversation can shift. I know with my sons, that was the, the biggest conversation I had with each of them was, you, it, it's, your, it's, it's your life. You need to make sure that the successes are ones that you wanted and that the failures are ones that you can learn from. My job is to be on the sideline and support you and let you know what I see based off of my experience, but define it yourself. Define what it's going to mean for you to be successful so that at the end of the day, when you look back on it, good, bad, or ugly, one, you know it was your life and, and the hope that it, it was the best that you could, could have done with the time that you had. here. Man, I love that so much. And honestly, that is... Um the kind of birthplace of this entire podcast is the idea mm. of defining success for yourself and not necessarily being defined by whatever society defines success at in this point in time. I was just having a conversation with somebody um, yesterday and we were talking about millennials and um, the idea that for the most part, a lot of them are just misunderstood because of the generational gap in how we define success. And I think mm -hmm. that that's a huge... Um, a huge thing that needs to be addressed um, so that we don't tear down millennials who are out there doing some amazing things. They're just doing them in non-traditional ways. Right. And that, that's where the, the passion for, you know, normalcy is for the weak. You know, anybody can, can, can get a job. I mean, it's, it's not that hard to go find a job. You can go flip burgers. You can take out the trash. You can be an assistant. Getting a job isn't the hard part. It's having a fulfilling life is where people are, are missing that, that, March, so to speak, and you're right. We we come around. We have a whole new generation that's doing it differently. Like, why can't I travel the world and and do all of that while I'm in my 20s and 30s, and then go develop something that's more concrete afterwards? I mean, it, there's no rule. There's no requirement that you have to do things in a certain order. The only thing, only order that's guaranteed is you're born and then you die. Everything. <laughs> So it's, it's really up to you. As, as our coach said, you know, life, it starts with an L, it ends in an E, and it has that if in the middle, and it's all about what do you do with that if in the middle. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. I'm like writing down all of your words <laughs> of wisdom here. I feel like I'm getting the better end of this conversation. Um, so I'm, how old were you when you started your flyer, your busy bees? <laughs> um, I was like 10 my gosh, I love it. And it was that summer. The summer I turned, after I turned 10, my birthday's in February, so it was that summer. I used to go on up, up there in the summer. There was a little empty space with a vacant desk, and I just commandeered it. I mean, who's going to tell the boss's daughter no, right? So, I, <laughs> you know, I made my flyers. I walked around to the, the executives that I knew, and by the time I was 16, I had worked in so many different departments and served so many different levels of, of support for the, the record label that it was, you know, I really had a pretty, pretty stacked resume. I like it. So have you always been on the entrepreneurial path or were there times that you were employed in the accounting field by bigger firms and you kind of learned from them that way? Or has it been something where it's just been a trial by error until you figure out what works for you? Kind of a trial by error. Um, I did work for people because that's what you're taught you're supposed to do. You know, you're supposed to go out and find this job and work there. Um, but I, I have an allergy. I'm allergic to bullshit, so I don't do very <laughs> in environments where, you know, it's the whole he says, she said, who's sleeping with whom, what's going on. And oh my goodness, this is what I have to do every day. I just want to do the work. So I, I realized that I, I didn't didn't like that environment. Also, once I got a hang of a process or a system, 
I was able to get it so well to where it didn't take as much time for me to do it. So my last full-time job, um, the reason why I left is I, I took 40 hours of work and I was able to condense the processes to 20 hours. So I was basically getting paid to play free sale and I was getting really, really good at that. But I also had a family and I figured, why should I spend these extra 20 hours here when I could be spending that with my, my, my sons and my husband? I could be at home. And I realized, okay, so it's time to, to stop straddling the fence between launching my business full-time and working full-time or part-time. It's just time to let it go. You know what they say when you straddle a fence, you get splinters in your crotch. So let's get off the fence <laughs> and let's, let's do it. And so there was a, there was a push and pull. And, and there's a constant learning that I get to experience right now on what I, who I get to become to, to have the business that I want and have the life that I want. And so there was a learning process, but it, it's always been in there. This, this launching and, and, and my business, I think, has been trying to, to, to come out of me like my kids were. You know, it was a birthing experience that I've been going through. I, I, that it's been, it's been always in there. It was just waiting for me to realize it, recognize it, and then go grab it. That's amazing. And you know, something that you said brings up a whole nother conversation of the way that businesses are run today and this idea that you need to be able to just put a body in a chair and that that means that somebody's being productive. Because the idea that you would work for 20 hours and still be asked to stay at the office for 40 instead of being able to go home with your family when all of your work was done is completely ludicrous, but it's the way that like 90% of business owners think. Right. They just want someone there. Someone's going to always be there. And this was when technology was really making a big change. Um, DSL, you know, the, the high-speed internet was just making its, its, its pitch and coming into play. So I'm looking at my, my bosses and saying, hey, I, I don't need to be here during this whole time. My, my biggest work is during these particular hours. Everything else I can do remotely. And it, it didn't get received very well because they did enjoy knowing that they had someone in the office all the time. And it, it's, it, you're right, it, it's, a, it's a shift from put the right person with the right technology and the right systems in place and the where they are probably won't be as big as, of, of an issue as are they doing what they're supposed to do. Absolutely. There was actually a really cool article that was released, and I don't remember the name. I'll be happy to share it with you, and I'll put it in the show notes for anybody who's listening. Um, but it was a um, business owner in Chicago, and it came out maybe like one or two months ago. Um, and he embraced that idea that, you know, you have a job to do, and I trust you to get that job done because I hired you. So I don't need to know where you are. I don't need to know what you're doing. I just need to know that you're doing what you need to do for my company. And the idea that your work should not be your life um, was completely liberating to be able to see a business owner express for their employees. Yeah, that's, it's what it's all about. I mean, there, there's a living to be made as you're, as you're making a living, there's still a life to be lived. 100%. It's got to all come together there to get up every day and not even love, even like what it is that you do is ludicrous to me. I don't understand that when I look at people and go, so you're going to stay there. You're going to stay in this place that is literally draining you because if you're not growing, you're dying. There is no middle ground. There is no such thing as the status quo when it comes to life. Either you're growing or you're dying. And if you're staying somewhere where you are literally dying, then that is not life. That cannot be life. It can't be. It just, I refuse to accept that as being the definition. I love it. So you've talked a little bit about success and I've, really loved what you've had to say about it, but I'm interested to know how you personally define success and whether that definition has changed for you throughout your life. My definition of success, I realize, has been pretty consistent all my life. I didn't grow up with if we could do things. It was always a question of when was the best time to do it. Um, so my definition of success has always been, are the needs met? Are the needs met? Or is there a roof over our head, food on our plates, clothes on our backs? Are those met without their having to sacrifice anything else? And then is there all the things that we want to do, the, the wants, if those are being met, are we, if we're not sacrificing the needs, then that's all that matters. 
So for my thing is, is I get up every day, I get to do this thing that I love to do. I love working with my business clients. I love, love the work that I do. I get to do that. And that gets to give me the capability of one, meeting all of my needs. And then I get to also get, get quite a few nice, you know, nice wants and get sprinkled in there as well. So it's about every day, do you get up and enjoy the time that you have and at the end of the day, no matter how tired or exhausted or even a little frustrated you are, because we all have those clients that are just like, are you serious? <laughs> but if at the end of the day you go, wow, good day. Let's do it again tomorrow. That's, That's amazing. Success. So have your kids inherited your entrepreneurial spirit? A bit. It turns out that they have always had, you know, some kind of little side hustle thing going. My, my son, uh, all of my kids, I have three sons. I also have five nephews. They all played sports. So they had had this little something, some way of, of creating some extra money, whether it be training other kids, other players. Um, my, my son used to, to sell uh, some supplements for before the game. So it was, you know, there was always some sort of little side thing going on that they all kind of picked up. And it's so great because I get to hear them all talk about, you know, what they, the, the businesses that they want to launch, you know, in these next stages of their life. So it, it's, I guess it's been ingrained and it's been so awesome to see it unfold. And especially at the, the ages that they're at, my uh, youngest is nine, he'll be 19 this year. So just to know that they've been doing this for at least the last six years or so having some sort of entrepreneurial thing. That's what, that's what they've seen from me in their conscious years. They've seen me work and have my own business. And to know that that became a part of their, um, their development, the molding of who they are is so awesome. So awesome. That's amazing. So um, one of the things that always interests me is the fact that um, everybody has their own idea of success and a lot of times they project that idea of success onto other people, which is where the societal definition of success comes from. Mm -hmm. But has there ever been a time where you've been working towards your definition of success, but you've appeared successful to somebody else um, and you've just been completely unfulfilled and um, people kept telling you how successful you were and you just felt like you weren't living your best life. Have you ever experienced that personally? Oddly enough, it is. At first, when I thought about it, I was like, I don't know. That's, that's a weird, weird one. But I have to say it was, it was before, it was um, when I was working my last full-time job. Um, my husband, we had just bought our house about a year or so before, and uh, we were still commuting to, to Los Angeles. We live in the outskirts and suburbs of LA in San Bernardino County, and we were still commuting my husband had lost his job and my full-time job was covering everything, which by the definition of life is success, right? I'm able to, I have a job, I was able to support my family fully. Everyone's looking at me saying, wow, good job. I negotiated a raise with my, my company because I was like, I can't do this anymore, but I negotiated a raise. They offered to pay for, they were also paying for our health insurance. So by definition, that was success. And I hated it. I hated it. I did not feel successful. I did not feel fulfilled. I did not love what was going on in my life every day. And I had just gotten Tony Robbins Get the Edge program where he defined growth and death. If you're not growing, then you're dying. And while everyone was looking at me saying, congratulations, congratulations, I felt like it was just a slap in the face of what I knew I was, I was put on this earth for. You know, the reason that I ask that question is because it's something that I personally struggled with. And I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with and they think they're alone. And so I think it's interesting when even the most successful people that I talk to who are living what they consider to be their best life, that there has normally been a time in their life where they have not been living that best life and they kind of needed that push to, to do that. And I find that for me personally, and then some of the stories that I've heard, that it is normally somebody telling you you're successful and you feeling so disgusted when they say that, that is your push to do something better with your life. Yeah. And that, that was it. It was, uh, oh my God, is this really going to be me for how long? Oh my goodness. I can't. No, 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 no. This is not success. This is not success. And it was, it was the catalyst that got me to change my my perspective and focus on taking this gift i think that 
I really truly believe that what I do is my purpose here on this earth. It's, it's, it's what I, my gift, it's, it's my thing. It's not my role as a wife or mother or as anything else. It is really a part of who I am. And the moment that I said, I am going to be me, I am going to live my purpose was the biggest change that ever took place in, in my development. That's amazing. Um, so a lot of um, what we talk about as far as personal growth and things to that effect revolves around getting yourself out of what's normal and what's comfortable for you. So what do you do to make sure that you're not living in your comfort zone? How do you push yourself out of that? I surround my, myself with people who, um, who are, are doing what I perceive to be successful. And I know we just said it's, it's a, a different, uh, different definitions, but when I see people doing um, their best and, and working what I think is a definition of success, that pushes me. It, it means that when I walk into this space and, and everyone, at least from what I can see, it is having you know, successes, quote unquote, in their business and they're growing and they're doing things. When all of my friends are stepping it up in their game and everyone I hang around is stepping up in their game, it pushes me to go, so dude, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Um, you know, get out there, make it happen. And, and, you know, go to that networking event, even though you feel uncomfortable meeting new people sometimes. Yeah, you, you know, you got asked to do this presentation, do it. Get up there and do it. And so it, it's been, been two things. The people I have around me that help to push me positively to, to keep going and then saying yes to situations where I probably would say no. Do you want to speak? Do you want to teach? Do you want to do a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for saying that one. I appreciate it. <laughs> so I'll, I just saying yes to those situations and then going, realizing that the opportunity wouldn't have been presented if I wasn't in some way prepared for it. Perfect. I mean, what's the saying that we hear all the time? You're the, you're the um, average of the five people that you hang around with. And I think that yeah. what you just said um, explains that so much because we do push ourselves based upon the people that we're around. So that's really cool. Um, failure. Failure is my other favorite word besides comfort zone. So um, as an entrepreneur, I am sure that you are no um, stranger to failure. But um, what is a failure in your life, in business or personal, whichever you want to talk about, um, and what you learned from it that caused you to grow to the next level? Oh, wow. Um, it, it probably would be, from a personal side, um, the, my failure, I, I had my, by age 21, I, I was married with three kids going through major development of myself. And I can, I can say with a heavy heart, but with an honest heart that I was not the best mom during my kids' formative years. And there was a moment when it really struck me in the face that I was, I was failing. I was literally failing. And in the process of what I thought was going to be helping me learn how to be a better business person, the skills that I was learning actually came into a position where they were able to help me better in, at home. Um, and I, it, it changed everything at that point. Once I, one, acknowledged I was not being the best mother and wife that I, I could be. And it, like I said, it, it slapped me in the face and then was tell, telling me I wasn't. And I took some learnings from somewhere else and brought them home and it made the biggest difference. I mean, the relationships that I have with my sons is, is so amazing. Um, and I, I thank God every day that, that we have this relationship considering where during their core formative years, how I was as a parent to know that right now we have probably the strongest bond that, that I think we've ever had. And, and, and it's just getting stronger and stronger as they grow. That was probably my biggest overall success aha moment, you know, my failure that, that made, made the biggest difference in my life. That's really cool. Isn't it crazy how if we go into situations that we walk into with an open mind, sometimes we take things that are completely different than we expected out of them, but those are the things we needed to hear the most? Oh my goodness, that was so big for me. And it was, it was about behavioral styles. And I learned what my style was. 
and I realize, oh crap, that is a horrible way to be at home. That is, there's no way you can do that and develop, you know, strong, loving family. That just, that doesn't make any sense. And when that hit and I came home and I started making these little small shifts that turned into big shifts as far as how my, my family and, and, and I interacted, it was so huge. It was such an, an amazing period in my life and it has done nothing but create better and better and better, stronger relationships with me and my, my sons. That's amazing. So do you have a group of resources that you rely on if you see yourself sliding back into um, behavior that you know doesn't necessarily serve your goals or doesn't push you? Is there something that you rely on to pump yourself back up? To pump my, well, I always turn to music. So whenever, <laughs> whenever I need to kind of regroup, I find the right song and I, I will put it on, on repeat for as long as I need to for the message to, to get ingrained in me. But First, the first thing that happens is I feel it. I, I, can, I can tell when, when I'm not being my authentic self or something's I'm not presenting myself or being, in, in, in being the best me. I feel it. I feel off. I feel icky. I feel short. I feel irritated. And once I identify it, then I go into, I, I love uh, Mary Morrison said it best uh, when she was speaking of, um, oh, Thomas Edison. I go to the land of solutions with a question and I, I will do a little meditation. I'll do some journal writing and I will really do an assessment of what is it? What is it that I'm not happy about or that's not making that I'm, that's not great right now. And how do I, how can I fix it? And I, I look for the solutions and they're usually they're right there in front of my face and that's been that lovely. And you know, you just can't see them until you're ready to see them. But I, 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 I Go to personal intuition. What do I feel? How am I feeling off? What's going on? And then I go to my music and my meditation and I put, put things in order from that point forward and then do my accountability of tracking. You know, was today a good day? Consistent daily journaling, beginning and end of the day until I get out of that funk or whatever it is I'm, I need to get around or over or through or learn or whatever has to happen. And that's my cycle. And so I'm going downhill. Let's get back up to, you know, where was I? What's holding myself accountable to being the best me possible? I love it. You'll understand when I say this, that um, the one for me, the one thing that's stuck so far in what I've been doing um, with Stacy and with the NLP is what about this is about me. When you talk about just feeling off, I go through that too. And I've finally been able to acknowledge that when something's off, it's because I'm not gelling with something and I need to figure out what it is so that I can readjust. But that idea of like just being pissed for no reason and then being, all right, all right, what about this is about me? What am I doing that I'm not congruent with right now? Right. It's so crazy. I do a personal check first. Okay. Why am I off? Why am I being short? Why am I being irritated? I mean, it's gotta be more than PMS, right? It's gotta be <laughs> Well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so once I do that check, then yeah, it is. What about this is about me? How how did I allow this to be something that was eating away at everything positive in my myself and, and, and in my immediate inner circle? Um, what is it about that? And then, oh, oh, that's what it was. Okay, so let's let's go through and try to work on and, and get that fixed because that this can't be a long term thing. We don't we don't want this to hang around for a while. And you do your self check and you you. You go go back to your tools. So I, I love the fact that I went through the, the training with Stacy, NLP training, and all the trainings that have led me up to that, and everything that's now presenting itself since that. I, I put all those tools together, and I go to my tribe, and I go, okay, so what is this? Is this a limiting belief that I don't believe this about? You know that I need to, to I get to change, um, or is this you know just a pattern or interrupt that I, I get to implement? And to know that those tools are available and that I can ask the question and there are people who can support it is amazing. You know, you turn to your, your tribe and the great part about it is that if you have surrounded yourself with the right people, you will get the right answers. You'll get the right support. It won't be any personal gain on them other than them being exactly what you needed them to be, which was a sounding board, a way of using tools to help you. That's awesome. So we've um, talked a little bit about your love for dancing and your love for music. Um, what type of dance, by the way? I didn't ask you. Uh, contemporary and hip hop. Okay. And do you still dance? In my mind. In okay. My, 
an award-winning dancer. Um, I love it. Life, my body doesn't move to the same way that it was supposed to. <laughs> what type of uh, music is your favorite? Oh, it's eclectic. Um, but if I had to put my ultimate favorite uh, type of genre is the mixture of rap and rock. Love it. So um, I love it. <laughs> my podcast page, because music is a huge part of my life as well. And my pos- my podcast page has a music Monday. So I think it's interesting that we're talking about music on this Monday and in this podcast. So if you had... Um, and I know this is a hard question to answer, but if you had that like one song that just always turns your day around, do you have, do you have one that you rely on or is it more of just your mood depending on your mood? It's a mood because I'll get a song and once I connect to it, it'll be one that I put on repeat for like a week or so until it's, it's so ingrained in me. Um, but one, one song right now, there's two songs right now that I kind of bounce to, um, one of them I'm, I'm kind of, I'm think I'm lack of a better term over it. Uh, but there's one, I can't remember the name of uh, the, the artist, but the song is welcome to the fire. And the first time I heard it, it was on a commercial. They were promoting a, um, a, a boxing match or a UFC match or something. And it says, welcome to the fire. I'm the one with the lighter. And it was just one of those like, oh, that's where I am right now. I, that, 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 that's it. And that became my, um, my mantra for a while. But the ultimate one, and we actually made it a part of, of our group um, that I always go back to, but after I get a new one, I'll go back to it. It's legendary. And the chorus goes, because we, we were learning all this stuff in NLP, and it was just so fascinating that the chorus goes, we're going to be legends. We're going to get their attention. What we're doing here ain't just scary. We're about to be legendary. I and love it. That song was, I mean, it was, when I heard it, I let my, my youngest one listen to it when he was going into his senior year of baseball. And I, we, he added that to his playlist and he had the ultimate senior season. I mean, this kid was just amazing. And I used to tell him I was doing, I didn't realize at the time, but I was doing embedding commands and them was have fun, be legendary. And, you know, it was, it was great. And that, that's my ultimate go-to song. And then I have some other ones that will kind of creep their way into in, into my consciousness. I'll let them soak in, but then I'll go back to legendary all the time. <laughs> so I think you've answered my next question, but I'll ask it just to make sure I'm not mind reading here. Um, <laughs> did, are you more of a lyrical person or a musical person when you're picking songs and figuring out what you, what you mesh with? It's a perfect combination of both. Um, because I used to be a dancer, the, the melody has to catch me first. Once the melody catches me, then it's the words that help me create a picture to it. I, I, in my mind, I'm, whenever I hear a song, the first thing I take into consideration is, can I perf- what, would I be able to perform to this if I was still a dancer outside of my, my headspace? Um, is there a, a visual image and dance I can use to the song? And then the words help me put together in my mind what that routine would look like. But the, the music, first you have, to, you have to catch me with, with music. And when there's instruments in, involved and not just a soundboard, even better, which is why I love rap rock com, com, you know, combos, is you give me the instruments and it's just going full blast and you throw in the right lyrics to it with the right melody. And, oh, I'm in heaven. <laughs> I love it. I can hear your passion. I love it. Do you find yourself, because I do this all the time and I'm not going to lie, I feel like a nerd, but do you find yourself like dancing in your car in your head? Like you're listening to music and all of a sudden you realize you're like making up dance moves. And- totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I'll be like, shit, I'm supposed to be driving and right. so, hopefully nobody's in my way. Um, totally. So I posted a song that is one of my go-tos and um, it's a country song, but um, it's called Here I Come um, and it's a, a Texas country song. And what you said about legendary really vibed with me when I was thinking about the song that I posted for my very first Music Monday, um, because he's talking about growing up in the music industry and chasing his Mm -hmm. dreams. And the chorus is, my skin is so much thicker now that I've been in this shit. It's too Mm -hmm. soon for accolades, but it's too late to quit. So here I am and here I come. And I (sighs) hear that and I'm like, it's like I get goosebumps. Like, yeah, like just get out of my way because I'm coming. Either join Mm -hmm. me or 
Yep. And that's exactly what Legendary does for me. That I can throw that on. That that one's a part of several of my playlists. My Love it. Playlists, so, motivation playlists, all over the place. Love it. And, uh, you know, I'm the type of person that I can't wake up to an alarm clock, but you play music and I can't stay in bed. So I've actually set my alarm clock to play music so that I will get my ass out of bed in the morning. I did the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just about what motivates you, right? Yep. Um, so do you have a book or a podcast or a resource that you're listening to or reading right now that you would want to share with the listeners? Oh my God, I'm reading a couple. Well, I'm listening to You Are a Badass at Making Money. Um, I think Jen Sincero is a, is a breath of fresh air when it comes to um, just mindset in general. And so I'm reading that with a, a group of, of ladies as a part of a kind of a book club kind of thing. And then I'm also reading The Magic Path of Intuition um, by Florence Shin. And it was given to me as a gift by one of my NLP class members. And I'm loving that. That, that is, has been my morning kind of grounding routine right now. So between that and you are a badass at making money, though, those are the things that I'm, I'm listening to right now or that I'm, I'm purposely in, ingesting right now. I love Jen Sincero. She's amazing. Did you, have you read her initial, You Are a Badass? Yes, which was why this was, was so great as far as my next, next book to, to listen to. I loved it. I love her style. She is, she, she's exactly, she says it exactly how I think it. Well, mine's probably less filtered than how she says <laughs> She says it how I think it, and I love it. I love yeah. it. Her, um, one of her quotes is actually my screensaver on my phone because I'm, I'm huge about comfort zones. Like mm -hmm. people who know my story know that Tough Mudder was a big part of changing my life because it forced me to get out of my comfort zone every time I got on the course. Um, mm -hmm. But she has a quote about comfort zones from her first book um, that says, the walls of your comfort zone are lovingly lined with a lifetime of favorite excuses. <laughs> and when I heard that, it was the first time I ever thought of a comfort zone being this place that you live. Like you hang up your decorations there and you're just like happy. And all you have to do is open this door to see this whole life that you hadn't imagined before, but you stay in your little house with yeah. all of your excuses around you. And like that image, I was, it was on audiobook. And I had to pull my car over and listen to it again because it hit me so hard. It was so crazy. Yeah, that, that is, because that, it's true. I mean, you know, we, we are taught to be comfortable. However, at the same time, there's an expectation to step out of it. Like it, it fascinates me at high school graduations when, you know, they tell you, go out there and change the world. You spent 13 years putting these kids in a box. Now you want them to go out there and change the world. There's no, there's, they have no clue. None of this stuff is taught in school. And so we're taught to, to, to enjoy the comfort zone, get the job, stay there for 30 years and, and get your comfortable pay and live comfortably. And the reality is, is that's what's, what's hurting all of us is by doing that. And, but we get, we get comfortable in it because it, it's safe, it's, it's secure, it's, we know what's gonna happen. No one knows what's gonna happen. So just enjoy the ride and make sure that you're being your best authentic self in the process. I love it. You're speaking my language right now. That's like, <laughs> that's this all wrapped up in one conversation. So awesome. um, you mentioned your reading as part of your morning routine. Do you have a morning routine that you follow every morning to get your, your mind right for the day? I do. So I get up and I, I have, I, right now I'm doing this fat burning tea uh, that I will drink that I, I put together. And then I have, um, a little bit of peanut butter to kind of get my, my body going and, and, and situated. And I do meditation, reading, a little exercise, and I do my, my morning posts, my, you know, my daily post, Motivation Monday, Take Charge, Make It Happen Monday, Take Charge Tuesday, Wake Up Wednesday, Thankful Thursday, and Follow Through Friday. I get those posts situated. And then at, at that point, now I'm ready to take on the day. Your Facebook posts, by the way, like make my day every morning. I think I liked like six of them today. And I'm sure they weren't even from today, but you like one and then the rest of them come up. And I'm like, yeah, LeVon, that's what I need to hear. 
Oh my gosh. Because they're so true, but they're so non-traditional and and it's you. Like I just hear your voice reading them to me in the morning. So yeah, it's amazing. Um, so as far as your um, business is concerned, if anybody wanted to reach out to you for bookkeeping services or anything to that effect, where can they find your business on social media? Oh, well, I, I have a LinkedIn page and I also have a Facebook um, company page. Um, it would just really, but I would say if you really wanted to to kind of get to know and, and figure out how how I could best support you, I mean everyone has their different styles of, of ingesting information. Some people are hands off. Let me read about it. I always recommend to people just give me a call. Let's talk. Let's see what's the best way that I can support you. And if it's not me, how can I at least connect you to someone in my network that can? So give me a call. Shoot me an email. Um, and, and that's really the best way, but I do have a Facebook page, Facebook business page, Management Consultants of America, and a LinkedIn page also associated with my business. So that's where you'll see, you know, uh, what I've done in the past or what I do, but I always tell people, talk to me. I don't, like, I don't consider myself a traditional anything from mother to business owner to accountant of any type. So if you, you want to want to really get, get a gauge of, of, of me. Um, come see me speak or come, you know, give me a, a, a call. Let's, let's see how I can support you best. I love it. Well, I want to end today with, you have a saying that I love every time I hear it, that you have adopted. So I, would you mind sharing that with the listeners? Cause I love it. My daily post one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wake up, suit up and show out. Love it. All right. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, if you um, don't mind, we'll go ahead and put the information as far as your social media and how to contact you in the show notes. Oh, sure. sure. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't think I was going to be, you know, going to enjoy it, but I really do. I really did. Thank you. You're, You're welcome. I'm glad I gave you a new experience. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.